Now, being a dad, just in case you forgot that Sheila and I are parents and that we have two wonderful girls, but they don't live here with us um, except for a certain time of the years. Our oldest is just finishing her second year at university and our youngest is in Germany for the next five weeks. She's going to boarding school there for um, sixth form. So um, you will be able to see her um, um, this summertime. But being a dad, I remember back when my girls were younger, much younger, back to the days when they were into dolls and princess dresses and Barbie movies. Um, so just want to let you know, if you need any information about Barbie movies that came out about 10, 15 years ago, I'm the guy who knows all that information. <laughs> Um, also remember one year as far as far as Polly Pockets was really in and that's what the girls wanted and so um, that was what the, the rave was and then another year it was strawberry shortcake not the old strawberry shortcake from the 80s but the new reinvented strawberry shortcake um, and so that's what the girls wanted now Sheila and I would talk to the girls and say you know what there's so many different things that you want girls for Christmas or maybe your birthday if there's one thing that you could narrow it down to what would it be well, it's been a long time since the girls have asked for a princess dress. It's been a long time now they no longer look at TV commercials um, to see what toys they want. More likely they are looking at their Instagram feeds and seeing what pops up there or maybe what other um, things that they hear that they actually need. So the question I think I have for us is, if I ask you the question, what is the one thing that you desire, what would it be? That is a rhetorical question, so sometimes I ask questions I expect for you to respond. For that is more for you just to think about there. What is something that you desire and what is something that you need? You see, if we went back thousands of years ago and we happened to be around Solomon, Solomon said what we need and our desire should be the same, and that is wisdom. And that is one of the reasons that we are looking at wisdom as um, a series here, that wisdom does not go out of style. It's not the strawberry shortcakes of the 80s and the 2000s. Um, it is not things that seem really cool right now, such as bell bottoms from the 70s to, I don't think you'd want to wear those today. Um, but um, wisdom is something that is timeless. It's something that each and every one of us need, not just whenever we need to make decisions, but as a character quality, and that it impacts all our lives. So we're continuing our series. We're in chapter three. Um, we did chapter two last week. We're doing chapter three. I know some of you are thinking, oh, exciting. You know, you may have a couple of verses memorized in um, Proverbs, Proverbs 2, 5, and 6. Well, the good news is we'll be able to talk about that in a couple of weeks. So we are actually looking at Proverbs chapter 3, starting in verse 13 and on, just as Shalom had read. So we're going to be looking at four points today, and so I hope that we get through all four, four points. So the first one is that wisdom's value to bless you with an abundant life. If you look here um, in verses 13, um, that 13 through 18 is actually a poem. Um, I didn't know if you didn't know much about Hebrew poem or poetry. I don't know a lot, but this type of poem um, here is um, it's called a chiasmic, and it makes a chi. So in the Greek word, in the Greek letters, this is a chi, which is an X. So what happens is that 13 and 18 are going to be connected. And then we have also 14 and 15 that are connected there as well. 
So as we are looking here at 13, it says, blessed is the one who finds wisdom and the one who gets understanding. Now, the word blessed is something that you hear often, or at least I hear often now that I've moved here for the past nine years in the UK. If someone says something, they're like, oh, bless, which means, oh, that person needs some help. Or, or they say something, they say, oh, bless, okay? Which is different from the South in the, in the United States where they say, oh, bless her, or something like that. I can't really remember now at the moment. Um, but what happens is that this blessing here, sometimes we think the bless means happy. So if you have heard, and many times if you go to certain translations, when they do the Beatitudes, they say, happy are those that. But the idea of blessing here is not the same thing. You see, um, looking up Proverbs, a guy that I go back to is called Dr. Waltke, um, and he teaches at Regents, or he did. And he says that happy is too trivial of a word for us to use, and that his conclusion should be not just a word but a phrase how rewarding and that the idea of how rewarding isn't necessarily you're getting a reward now but it's also a future reward because a present relationship with God. The doctor Walke says for us to have wisdom it's not for us to be more intelligent for us to know more things about people but it's a direct relationship with God the Father. So let's look at Beatitudes real quick, and it says, which we went through um, last year, and it says that you can be blessed for when you're suffering, but people who are suffering aren't happy. So that's another um, point in my argument here is that I think, I think a better translation would be how rewarding. So how, perhaps a better translation would be how rewarding um, is... The, um, I'm sorry, <clears throat> in this verse right here, it would make more sense if we put how rewarding is the way of life. Um, talking about our relationship with God and what the difference that would be. Also, um, in Job chapter 5, 17, Eliphaz, Eliphaz um, says, Blessed is the one whom God corrects. So do not despise the d discipline of the Almighty. The word happy doesn't fit here either, but how rewarding does. So how rewarding is the one whom God corrects? So do not despise the discipline of the Almighty. So once again, I propose here for us, as we read this first sentence and we look at this, how rewarding is the one who finds wisdom and the one who gets understanding? As we move to verse 14, it says that wisdom's um, prophets are better than gold, than silver, or jewels. Um, and that she is more precious than jewels. Where was it? Um, and jewels here, in some verses, um, the NIV actually says rubies. The interesting thing about this is that language changes. In the original Hebrew, it says um, wisdom is more profitable than coral. But nowadays, coral doesn't mean a lot. But back then, coral meant a lot. So when we're looking at the profitability or how important wisdom is, that wisdom is something, well, Dr. Wilkie put it like this, that you know what, you can have food on your table, but not fellowship around it. You can have money to buy your house, but it won't produce a home. Money can give a woman jewelry, but it cannot buy her love. That as you and I know, 
that money, gold, silver, jewels buy lots of things. And things are nice, but things are hollow if there's not more to that. Also, what Dr. Wilkie said, and, and, and let me just bring that out again, is that the blessing and the future rewards comes on a present relationship with God. Now, I don't know where you are with God. I don't know if you and God are friends. Um, I don't know if you have a relationship with God. I don't know if you just come to church because it is a habit. Um, but it says right here that it's about a relationship with God, that we as Christians believe that God is an eternal, loving, and personal God, that He is not far off. In order for you and I to have this relationship with God, it's based upon nothing that you and I can do, that you cannot make yourself better for God, that you cannot earn your way to heaven. The Bible says in John 15, um, 14, 6, that Jesus says that I'm the way, the truth, and life, and no one comes to the Father except through me. Solomon says that you should get wisdom at any cost. And I would say to you, if you don't have Jesus in your life, if you don't know Jesus in a personal way, that you should try and get Jesus at any cost. Whatever it takes, get it. That reminds me as far as in Matthew 13 where it talks about um, the pearl of great price. Um, also talks about the shepherd in the field. The shepherd in the field. The um, treasure in the field. In the treasure in the field, what happens is that a man finds a treasure. It's priceless. So he goes and sells everything he has in order to buy the field and have the treasure. The same thing with us as far as things that we think are important or not as important without that relationship with Christ. Now, that's for you who don't have that relationship with Christ. For those that have the relationship with Christ, sometimes we fall into the, another little camp. And it's this. Is there anything that we are actually, actually desiring more than Jesus? Maybe you wouldn't say it out loud, of course, because that means you wouldn't be a very good Christian. But maybe in your mind you think, you know what? I would be happy or feel more blessed if I had Jesus and so maybe it's like you want Jesus and that right job. Maybe you need Jesus in a different accommodation or that house in that right neighborhood. Maybe you need Jesus plus romance. Then your life will be complete. Maybe you need Jesus in that perfect family because you know what? Your family's a wreck. But remember, whatever you put in that blank, Jesus and this, will give you the best life, what you're actually saying is, this thing over here that I say I need with Jesus is on equal status with Jesus. For us to have the best life and the most abundant life, Jesus needs to be number one in our life. Just as Solomon says that wisdom is the most important thing, that that is what we desire, that we need to be desiring Jesus and putting Jesus first. I'm sure you know the story back in 1 Kings 3. Um, God says, um, appears um, to Solomon. Solomon says, um, if I, uh, and ask him if for one thing that you would ask for me, what would you want? And Solomon could have asked for riches, long life, and victory over enemies, um, but instead he asked for wisdom. He asked for wisdom and ended up getting money, long life, and victory over um, enemies as well.
Okay, so let's go ahead and go to 16 and 17, shall we? It says here that long life is in her hand. In these verses, we see that, that getting wisdom adds life, riches, and even a good reputation um, over your course of life. You know what? We have so many options nowadays. You can be living a variety of different lives. You see, there's a life that you live here when we see each other. We don't see each other very much. There's a life you can live with colleagues. There's a life you can live online. But having wisdom will help you to make those correct decisions. So life is full of opportunities where we can do risky and foolish things. Whether it's we're unable to hold or control our tongue, or maybe a sexual sin, or stirring up dissension, or a lying tongue. All these lead um, to, to death and as far as um, a ruined reputation. But on the other hand, if we look at what wisdom has to say in this book of Proverbs, then we can live lives um, where we work hard instead of being lazy, um, where we're saving for that, heart, um, for that day um, that we may not have lots of money, um, and that we are trusting in God. It also says in verse 18 that she is a tree of life, and those who take hold of her, um, how was it say those? Those who hold her fast are called blessed. There we go. Have it correctly written there and not here or there. What this tree of life actually is, is the tree of life that talks about in Genesis and Proverbs and also um, in Revelation, that this means e, uh, e, um, immortality, that eternity. That it says here that it is possible for us to have eternity or immortality again. That relationship in the Garden of Eden, whenever humanity, man and woman, turn their back on God and said, forget you, I'm going to do what I want by um, eating from the tree of, of knowledge of good and evil. Um, we can have this eternal life, but this eternal life, once again, is only found in Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ alone. Now, the second point I want to bring up today is wisdom's value to the Creator. And it says this, The Lord, by wisdom, founded the earth. By understanding, He established the heavens. And by His knowledge, and the deeps broke open, and the clouds dropped down the dew. Well, right here, we have another um, literary term called mirrorism. And so basically what happens is that you explain something by describing its extremes. So here we, here we have, it talks about heaven and earth. In some translations, um, it says ground and sky. And so what that means, all creation here. So you may have known the verse from Psalms 103.12. It says, for as far as the east is from the west, that God has thrown your, your sins away from you. In other words, God has thrown your sins away from you as far as possible. So what's saying here is that wisdom created the cosmos. Wisdom created everything. That Proverbs itself says in um, 8, where wisdom is um, personified, says that she was present with God before and during the creation of the world when um, God established the heavens. I was there, says wisdom. When he marked out the foundations of the earth, then I was beside him like a master workman. The world was created literally by wisdom. As one writer puts it, God programmed the world with wisdom. To use a computer analogy, wisdom is the operating system of the world. 
And that's important to know. If you're on a Mac, you need to know what the operating system is because a Mac is very different than a PC. And don't even get me started on Linux. So the idea behind the operating system is you need to know the operating system. Our operating system, is, even though we're still in a fallen world, is on wisdom. It's on a wisdom that comes from God. Danny Aiken says that the order um, that the world is actually is a Christ-centered world, that everything points to Christ. That God created the world through Jesus, as we see in Colossians 1 and in John 1. That Jesus is the one who holds the world together in Hebrews 1. And all things are united in Christ, and we saw this in Ephesians as well. That all things are centered on Him, and that includes the created order. If the created order is centered on Jesus, then we need to be centered on Jesus as well. He needs to take pri top priority in everything that we do. Now, good news is we're halfway through. Actually, we're more than half because I have two, and the first um, point was the longest. So here's the third point, is that wisdom's value for peace of mind. Now, according to dictionary.com, just in case you think I'm making this up, a peace of mind is a mental state of calmness, of tranquility, of freedom from worry and anxiety. How nice would it be for all of us to be able to say, you know what, I have a peace of mind. However, I'm guessing for a majority of us that does not happen. But here, Proverbs is talking about a peace of mind. So in verses 21 and 22, we see Solomon appeals to his son not to let wisdom and discretion depart from his sight because they are life. Solomon's point goes on to say is that um, in 24 is if you lie down, you will not be afraid. When you lie down, your sleep will be sweet. Oh, how often I bet you have laid awake at night wanting that. And maybe you still have difficulty sleeping. You need to know that I'm not going to give you all the answers. But I do want to think about some, some things. So as far as that um, society has come out, you can look on the internet, a variety of different ways to sleep better. But one way you can sleep better is by not having a guilty conscience. And what I mean by this is that if you do something during the day or something, you lay down and that thought comes back, what happens if I'm found out? What happens if that person finds out or another person finds out I've been talking about them? or I'm not the person they think I am. Sheila and I watched some TV, and on this one series that we're currently watching with the FBI, um, that part of this is that they're trying to find out the deepest, darkest secret, not deepest, darkest, but something that's, they have a file about this person, and one thing is, um, is wrong in the file. So they've got to find out the one thing that is true. So they're diverging into that person's life and people are sweating because people don't want people to know the real them. I would say we often don't want people to know the real us either. But wisdom says that if we are living um, wise lives and trying to make good decisions under God with Christ as um, the authority in our lives, that when we sleep we won't be worried about what people are thinking. We won't be worried that we will be found out that we won't be worried about that hidden sin because we are trusting because we're living those good lives. A couple of things I just want to give some practical suggestions is this. Um, to, just like your mind 
is a computer, you need to shut it down. I mean, there, you can go to websites, it talks about as far as an hour, an hour and a half, start, stop being around TV, stop being on your phone. You can look those things up. I'm gonna give you some spiritual advice here. One of the spiritual advice that I do is, at night, is that I go and think through my day and just kind of meditate on my day. I think about the good things that happen and the bad things that happen. The good things that happen, then I praise God for. The bad things, I can still praise God for, but if those go under the idea of sin, the things that I did against other people or against God, then I take time to say, you know what, God? I don't want to go to bed with this still on my mind and ask God to forgive me there. So I take time to actually to think about my day, to relax. And then something else that Sheila and I do um, is something called a complaint. Now, this is something that is not at all in my background. Some people like this and some people don't. This is just a suggestion. You can take it. But these are prayers that people say the same prayers, like every Thursday or every Friday at night before they go to bed. And I thought maybe we could, as a group, say this together. Now, I know it's not night. But this right here is something that Sheila and I do just to kind of focus ourselves, to relax, and to know that God is um, in control. So we'll go ahead and say this. Let me get a drink, and then we'll start. So calm me, O Lord, as you still the storm. Still me, O Lord, keep me from harm. Let all the tumult within me cease. Enfold me, Lord, in your peace. Father, bless the work that is done and the work that is to be done. Father, bless the servant that I am and the servant that I will be. Thou, Lord and God of power, shield and sustain me this night. I will lie down this night with God and God will lie down with me. I will lie down this night with Christ and Christ will lie down with me. I will lie down this night with the Spirit, and the Spirit will lie down with me. God and Christ and the Spirit be lying down with me. The peace of God be over me to shelter me, under me to uphold me, about me to protect me, behind me to direct me, ever with me to save me. The peace of all peace be mine this night. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Thanks. So what I try to do is that I pray this, and then go to bed. I mean, I'm already in bed when this is happening. But then, as far as not keep thinking about other things. That this is like the, the sign-off thing um, um, right before um, I go to sleep. This may work for you, may not, but the idea is, is just remember, I mean, in Psalms 121, it says that, um, that God, he watches over you, he does not tire. In fact, he watches over Israel, does not tire or sleep. He doesn't sleep or he doesn't slumber. That God's got this, so you don't have to have it. And whatever trouble's there, it'll be there tomorrow as well. Okay, our fourth point is this, wisdom's value in receiving God's blessing instead of judgment. One practical way of keeping wisdom that Solomon has given us in this part um, of the chapter is being a good neighbor. Um, it's not for us, 
in, in order for us to be wise, um, that we are having that right relationship with God and that right relationship also as being a, a good neighbor. If you remember, whenever Jesus asked, what are, the two, what are the greatest commandments? The greatest commandments is love the Lord God with all your heart, mind, um, so, right. love the Lord God with all your heart, soul, mind. I always want to throw in strength, but that's it. Heart, soul, and mind. And love your neighbor as yourself. Um, that your neighbor may be those people that are the closest around you. Um, they may be people you live next to. Um, but they also, your neighbors are also this community here. That if you look in the Old Testament, as far as the idea of community was so important, the idea of the community of faith is important. So I think it's important for us to remember that as well. 1 John 3, 16 through 19 reminds us, but if anyone has the has the world's goods and sees his brother, and his brother here means fellow Christians in need, yet chooses his heart against him, yet closes his heart against him, how does God's love abide in him? Little children, let us not love in word or talk, but in deed and truth. Here at Second City, we say that we are family, and as family, we need to look after each other that we need to take the, the truth of this passage um, and to help our neighbors and as well as helping each other. In order to make verse 28 a reality, um, that we don't need to delay in what we're doing, um, and sometimes by delaying it, is that we put it off and then we just forget about it. But what happens is that we need to be, um, just say, okay, God, how is it you want to use me? And if the Lord leads you to do something, then you need to do that. Because, as Haley would say, delayed obedience is disobedience. So let me go ahead and quote Haley again. Delayed obedience is disobedience. If God is saying, you know what? Um, I want you, so for instance, um, Andy shares he has some different needs, and all of a sudden, I'm saying, okay, God, do you want me to be part, be part of that need? First of all, we've got to be active and say, God, how can I be the answer to a problem? Because we can be answers to problems that are in our own community, but we're too busy saying, you know what, that didn't really affect me. Oh, I probably, I probably can't help anyway. But instead of being proactive and saying, you know what, I'm going to make a difference. So let's say Andy has a need, and he says he may need like, some furniture. Well, you know what? Up in Kennedy's room, we have that, that futon we're not using. Then maybe I can give it to Andy so that Andy can use. Because I'm not really using it. It is worth money. But what happens is that I'm showing my love and being the body of Christ in a practical way by showing and helping other people's needs. Just remember that you and I can be the answer to people's prayers in a very practical and tangible way. You know what, our time is quickly coming to an end. So let me go ahead and um, challenge you in this last little section here. It says what we shouldn't do. Basically, treat your neighbor as yourself. Don't intentionally do things against them. Um, there's, a, there's a program on, on the telly. There are some really bad neighbors in this country. Just the things that, pe that people do and everything. And sometimes you can be really good and try to have, be kind towards your neighbor, but your neighbor just may hate you. And there's nothing that you do and you try really hard. And in that instance, I just want to say, pray. And the Bible says in the New Testament, as far as it's up to you, um, 
I can't even remember the rest of that phrase because it just came to my mind. But as far as it's up to you, live lives that are holy. So as far as it's up to you, live your life um, um, in such a way that they can't say anything about you, that you are, are, that you are praying and caring for them. The one thing that I did want to end in with is this, is um, that many um, commentaries that I looked at compares Jesus to wisdom. And that sometimes they would say Jesus is wisdom. Jesus has a lot of the characteristics that we are reading about, but Jesus is so much more than just wisdom. That Jesus has a lot of the characteristics of wisdom. That wisdom leads people to God, to that relationship. Jesus leads people to God, that relationship as well. So what I thought would be is in the first section here is us put the word Jesus in wisdom and just see how true actually that is here. So it says, Blessed are those who find Christ, those who gain understanding. For Christ is more profitable than silver and yields better returns than gold. Christ is more precious than rubies. Nothing you desire can compare with him. Long life is in Christ's right hand, and his left hand are riches and honor. Christ's ways are pleasant ways, and all his paths are peace. Christ is a tree of life to those who take hold of him. Those who hold Christ fast will be blessed. So where are you with God? Where are you with Christ? Once again, if you don't know him, I implore you to get to know Christ because that's the only way you can get to know the Father. And if you know Christ, know him more by spending time with him and in God's word. Let me go ahead and pray, shall we? Father God, I thank you that um, you reveal yourself um, to us. Father God, I thank you for wisdom. And just as Solomon says that we should, that should be our greatest desire is wisdom. And Father, I also thank you that wisdom points to you. And we know that in order for us to have that relationship with you, we have Jesus Christ. May Jesus Christ, who lived that perfect life and died on the cross, as a payment for our sins so that we can have that relationship. So, Father, I pray that, just as Atkins said, um, that we will have Christ-centered lives, that our lives will be focused around you, Jesus Christ, and not ourselves, that we won't try to add anything to our lives, but you're the main point in that through you we can have the best life possible. And I ask all these things in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. Okay, so we have a couple of questions here. The always good thing is, is that when you get up and preach, or at least when I preach, I don't always follow my, rule, my rules. My, where these are? Notes. So these questions would have worked if I did everything. So let's see if they work or not. Concerning having a peace of mind, what wisdom from scripture or personal habits have you incorporated? So this is a chance for you to talk about as far as whenever you're stressed, trying to get that peace of mind. Are there some practical things that you have seen in Scripture or spiritual things that you're doing to help out there? The second question, how does the pursuit of wisdom keep you from chasing the things of the world when you see others who are not pursuing wisdom and have earthly gains that you may miss? Yeah, I missed that a little bit in my sermon. 
Rabbi says this, is that the world, that here, that you need to know that Proverbs says these are things you should do, but that doesn't mean necessarily if you follow them that those, all those things will happen. So it may mean you're following God, but you may not have that best life possible, as Joel Osteen would say. But your best life possible is because you have that relationship with God. You're, you may not have much money. You may have difficult life. But you have that presence with God. And you look around and you see people in this life are, that are not following God, that are rich, that, they're, that they seem to be prospering. But the Bible says in the end that all of us will have judgment and that we'll be judged. If we have Christ, our judgment is that for eternity we are with God. If you don't have Christ in eternity, you're not with God. So that's where that one goes. If you're able to talk about it, that's fine. If you're not, that's fine. The last one is, is there anything that spoke to you? Because when we open up God's Word, it's not about me sharing. It's about the Holy Spirit speaking through.